This episode is brought to you in part by Harvest House Publishers and the new book, The Good Gift of Weakness. Discover how human weakness not only allows God's strength to shine, but it was all by His design. The Good Gift of Weakness is now available wherever books are sold. You're listening to episode 160. If only I knew. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Daniel, do you remember the season in our lives where we were blessed to be able to attend what felt like dozens of weddings a year? For sure. All of our friends, including us, were at the time in our lives where we were celebrating our love and commitment to our future spouses while being surrounded by people who have prayed for, invested into, and journeyed alongside us. Now we're at the stage in our lives where some of our friends' kids are getting married. crazy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And while we don't attend as many weddings as we did before, still to this day, I seem to be the one that always writes the wedding card messages. You are the author, (laughs) after all. I guess so. (laughs) I remember being a newlywed and writing wedding cards to congratulate the couple. Now, to be honest, I don't remember what I wrote, but I'm sure it was filled with advice that I'd heard from others or had newly experienced ourselves. One of them probably would have been the that phrase, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because that's what we were told to do in our premarital counseling. And it's from the Bible too, in those words. But now that we think about it, uh, I think we took that advice a little bit too literally. Yeah, out like, of context oh, as well. Oh no, the sun's going down. <laughs> What's going? And we didn't we we didn't realize a lot of what we now know about being flooded and and all of that. Right? We would stay up into the wee hours of the night trying to find a solution, and we couldn't. We were so frustrated. The sun was down. It had been down for hours we upon failed. hours. Yeah, we <laughs> failed and we were so frustrated. And then we honestly, do you remember? We would just kind of give up <laughs> right. and compromise, Yeah, which meant, you know, none, neither of us were happy because we didn't come to an agreement. We compromised. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so looking back, um, I think we definitely took that scripture out of context and we tried to place it into our marriage we just we just didn't know better we Mm -hmm. didn't have the experience the guidance or even the knowledge about brain science that shows when you're flooded you know you can't rationally think or problem solve when that happens you need to take a breather you need to calm down before you can make wise decisions as we've talked about in other episodes and you know what sometimes that actually does mean taking a break from the fight agreeing to get a good night's sleep and then talking about it again when we're both rational and able to repair the relationship. Exactly. Halt. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What we were talking about in two episodes ago, we will link it to the podcast episode show notes. Just go to inbetween.org slash episode 160. So we just celebrated our 16th year anniversary a few weeks ago. And while we know we have so much to learn about each other and marriage, which is really exciting too, we have grown a lot compared to those first couple of years of being together. We were recently asked about what advice we would give to younger couples. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We want to unpack it. 
So if we, and by we, I mean Daniel, (laughs) were to write a congratulations card to your wedding, or if we could sit down together for coffee and chat with you about those first precious years of your marriage, here's what we would say. Number one, remember that there is a vertical and horizontal aspect to your marriage. What's the vertical part, Daniel? The vertical is the relationship that you have with Christ, both individually and together. Just consider Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So we like this image of a triangle where imagine God is at the top of the triangle and you and your spouse or spouse-to-be are on the bottom left or the bottom right. When you think about this triangle, a lot of times what happens when you meet that significant other and you're dating and going to get married and and even when you are married, then oftentimes if you're following Christ, your eyes turn off of him and turn on to one another. Mm -hmm. Now, makes sense because you've just met someone that you're infatuated with, that you like, that perhaps feelings of love are going to come and or that you've just engaged, got engaged to or or, or said yes to forever and your eyes are on one another. And, and what happens, and this happens to a lot of couples where when their eyes turn to each other, yeah, you know what, they are still growing closer to each other because mm-hmm. just imagine the triangle, right? You're on the edges and you're you're drawing near to each other. Your eyes are on one another. And what ends up happening is that your peripheral vision is now on God. So what happens? Yeah, you draw near to your spouse or your fiance or, or boyfriend, girlfriend. But what doesn't happen is you're not drawing near to God. And that relationship suffers versus, and this is what we then say to couples, um, as you get to know one another, place your eyes upon God, place your eyes upon Christ and keep on moving up those angles Mm -hmm. toward him. And as you do it, what ends up happening is, yes, you know what? Your eyes are on Jesus. Your peripheral vision is on one another. You're walking step by step, but what happens is as you draw nearer to Christ, you know, in that triangle, hopefully you can imagine it, you're actually drawing near to one another as you draw near to Christ. And that's really important, regardless if you've been married for one day or like 50 years, that relationship with Christ is really your foundation of growing together closer as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So we have the vertical aspect. What is the horizontal well, then it, it's what you would think in that verse in Luke chapter 10, and Jesus has been asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he's like, yes, it's it's two parts. One is love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the other part is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And remember that your spouse is actually your neighbor. Daniel, did you know that you're my neighbor? <laughs> Sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, right. Not only are you my lover, but you are my neighbor. And this is an important aspect to remember because it helps us understand and think about how we are to treat one another. It's important because especially if you've grown up in a complementarian point of view, sometimes it's difficult to wrap our heads around Ephesians 5 where it says, wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives. There's nothing wrong with that verse, but unfortunately, sometimes these verses have been used to hurt or to put down others, especially women, instead of draw each other closer to one another. So if you're if you just can't wrap your head around it, 
loving your neighbor, which is also loving your spouse as yourself, can sometimes be easier to understand. In our early years of marriage, we were discerning whether or not we should leave our ministry and home in Quebec and move to Korea. I, not quite understanding what my role is in Ephesians 5 and submitting to Daniel, I felt like the godly wife thing to do was to just follow my husband blindly. And he was very strongly wanting to go and I had reservations. But in the end, I felt like I couldn't necessarily say all that I wanted to say because that would be meaning that I'm not a submissive wife or that I'm not obeying Daniel or being God through obeying Daniel. Thankfully, God redeemed the situation, but also I realized that I wasn't treating Daniel well. I, by not expressing everything that I had felt or some concerns that I had, I was not loving my neighbor as I love myself. I was not loving Daniel as I love myself by not sharing my entire feelings. Yeah, and we've talked about Korea a little bit here and there throughout our 160 plus episodes. And I am so grateful that God did redeem that situation. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, Christina, we learned so much about ourselves, mm -hmm. about one another, about, discerning. about discernment, about God through that entire experience of going to Korea. And it was rocky. <laughs> it was rocky yep. in many different places, but it's amazing to look back and see how God redeemed and worked through all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we stuck it together. Yeah, exactly. Well, the second piece of advice that we would give to young couples is to continue to work on your friendship and to learn new tools to invest in your relationship. Right. We love what Dr. Gottman says about love because it's so countercultural to what social media or Netflix shows us. He says, love is not grown in the grand gestures. It is grown in the seemingly small and meaningless actions. Mm. Yeah, the expensive jewelry, the beautiful house decorations, the fancy trips and cars are great and all, but that doesn't build a strong foundation of marriage. It's in the little things like, Daniel, you making me coffee in the morning so that it's one less thing I have to do while getting ready and putting the kids uh, and getting the kids ready for homeschooling. Yeah. Or are you, Christina, changing my towel? Because I love the feeling of a fresh one, right? <laughs> exactly. Or or doing the sheets. That's a throwback to uh, earlier. <laughs> yeah. if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. We all love new sheets. Mm -hmm. Well, a few months ago, we attended a marriage conference put on by Family Life Canada. The first night, they wanted to know who had been married the longest and who had been married uh, the shortest. The longest was 42 years. That's amazing. Yes. So cool to see. And the shortest was only a few months, actually. Mm. It was incredible to see both couples investing into their relationship no matter how long they've been married. You know, I, I wish we had the foresight to see the importance, uh, how important it really was and is to take intentional time to invest into our marriage, mm -hmm. even in those early years, right? Even if we had only just been married for a couple months. Yep. Because you know what? Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that we should only seek out help when our marriage is in trouble. 
But the reality is there are a lot of tools we can learn and practice to help our marriages before they are in trouble. In fact, I know there are some couples who go to a family life conference every year or every Uh other year. And not because things are going wrong, but because they just want to continue to intentionally invest into their marriage. Exactly. I also know of friends' parents who they invest into their children's lives. They're yes, grown up and right. married yep. by paying for one of these events or these retreats and offering to babysit. Yeah. You know, we did not have a lot of money when we were first married. Mm-hmm. And we probably, even if we wanted to, we probably wouldn't even be able to afford it. Yeah. So if you know a couple that are newlyweds or maybe they just had a baby and finances are tight, perhaps you're thinking, oh, I've gone to one of these events before. I can sponsor another person in my life to be able to learn and glean from these retreats. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because even right after you get married, yes, there's a honeymoon, but you're also in a honeymoon phase. Yes. And yeah. I think if either of our folks had said, hey, we'll send you to a marriage retreat, we're like, we don't need a marriage retreat. Our marriage is hot and <laughs> awesome Spicy. and great. Yeah, exactly. But Do you remember when we were there, there was that couple in the elevator that uh, when we were going to the first session and they were holding hands and they're they're young and they looked so cute. They were that couple that had been only married for a few months. And I was like, man, what wisdom. Yes. Right from the Mm -hmm. beginning to intentionally invest into your marriage. Right. Well, marriage therapists, doctors Les and Leslie Perot talk about how experts have found that the majority of couples could significantly improve their marriage by simply learning, get this, one new skill to handle a difficulty in their marriage. So no matter how long or little you've been married, we all need new skills to make marriage work well. And it doesn't mean having a hundred different tools in your tool belt. If we can only, if we can commit to learning one new tool uh, to address an issue like listening or Mm -hmm, empathy, mm -hmm, humility, mm -hmm. emotional attachment, conflict resolution, sexual intimacy, forgiveness, gratefulness, and so on and so forth. Just think how strong our marriages would become if we commit to learning one new skill. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. All right. Well, the third piece of advice would be that the end, not or, and, right, A-N-D in your relationship is normal. So think about this. In sickness and in health in riches and in poverty, in the good times and the bad times, in the joyful and the difficult. There's this popular apologetics question, and maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've thought about it. Um, Why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. 
Well, perhaps in this context, the question should be, why do bad things happen to good marriages? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that before? In our 16 years of marriage, a lot of bad has happened. And there have been many opportunities where both of us at different points in time could have thrown in the towel and said, you know what, this is just too much. This is too hard. Maybe it would be easier with someone else. Well, I'm thankful that we continually and we did choose and continually choose to fight for one another and for our marriage, even in the midst of health crisis, homelessness, job loss, and unexpected deaths of loved ones. We've come to understand that the hard parts in life, they're normal. Mm -hmm. They're normal on this side of eternity. But what really matters is how you choose to rely on God and one another that makes all the difference. I love this example of what's called solar faith versus lunar faith. So solar faith, you think about it, it's the sunshine, right? Mm. It's the faith and what you learn about God when things are going well, when you feel and know in your heart of hearts and see the evidence around that, God, you are good. You are mm. a good, good father and thank you so much for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And then there are aspects about the characteristics of God that you don't understand or you don't fully comprehend until you go through what is the lunar faith, mm. the aspects of life that are just dark, that are deep and treacherous. Those times when you realize that, God, you are still good in the mountaintops and as well in the deepest, darkest valleys, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. Those are the times where we really learn more about ourselves, mm. about God, and also have the opportunity to support our spouse through these dark times. Wow, that'll preach. <laughs> I like that, Christina. As a family, right now, we're listening to a trilogy or trilogy of books? It is. Or four, oh, four. No, four Quadruply? Yeah, called The Wing Feather Saga by <laughs> Andrew Peterson. Yeah, Quadruply, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and the book that we're walking through right now, I won't say which one because I don't want to mess it up. It's an incredible series by we'll Andrew Peterson. We'll link it to our, yeah, show notes. Yeah, there's the way that Andrew Peterson writes, he's writing about, you know, one of the characters being in the tunnel in the deepest, darkest tunnel where he can't even see anything in front of him. And the way that he writes this, I remember just the other day listening to it. I was like, oh man, I could, I can just imagine that right now. And there are so many times in our lives, in our faith, in our marriages, where that's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. Faith in God in those lunar moments versus faith in God in those solar moments, right? It really does seem to feed into one another, mm -hmm. where the stronger your faith is in the Solar moments, the stronger your faith is going to be in those lunar moments and in those moments where you have nothing else to hold on to. You can't even see God and his goodness or be reminded of that to be to remember his faithfulness in the solar moments, right, is going to is, is what's going to get you through those lunar moments. And it's just cyclical in that way. And I I just I absolutely love that analogy. Yeah. So if you're going through a hard time, which is very understandable, 
go outside and look at the sun yeah. and remember God's faithfulness in the solar moments. Yeah. And then go outside when it's dark and you see the moon yeah. and remember that God is faithful even in the lunar moments. Yes, I love that. So our fourth piece of advice that we'd give to young couples is about sex. That sex doesn't always come easily or naturally. And this is for both partners or either one. Yeah, because sometimes it may come naturally for one spouse and might feel great. Mm -hmm. And then the other spouse is gritting his or her teeth yeah, as yeah. Um, you're sexually intimate. So if I were to go back and be able to talk to ourselves, yeah. I would say, you know, Daniel and Christina, commit to showing each other grace and understanding in a possible triggering area of marriage. Yeah. I'd say commit to growing together in all aspects of intimacy with patience and kindness and commit to praying about your sex life. Yeah. And recognize that it's only going to get better as time goes on. <laughs> right. It's going to take some practice. Yes. And that's it, yeah. okay. Everything takes practice to be good at anything. Right. Yeah. It's not just rip off your clothes and you're, yeah, like in Hollywood, right? Like it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Well, there's so much we can discuss about this certain topic, but unfortunately, we don't have the time to give it justice or unpack it. So we will save a future episode for all things sex and intimacy. But we felt the need to address this point because we've heard many stories from both young and old couples about their struggles in the marital bed. Mm -hmm. From our own experience, this quote by Dr. Julie Slattery of God's Sex and Your Marriage is accurate. You don't come to your marriage bed with a blank slate. You come with expectations, fears, secrets, shame, and an unspoken understanding of what good sex should look like. Yeah. I mean, growing up, both of us, in growing up, going to church, I don't know about you, Christina, but for us, no one ever talked about sex. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I think the closest we got to talking about sex uh, in church was when we did a no dating series, like yeah, why dating yeah. is from the devil, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we didn't talk about sex if we're not even talking about dating. Yeah, yeah. But the Bible has a lot to say about sex. If you just think about the book, there's a whole book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon that talks about that. So because of that, the way I was discipled in sex was movies and TV shows. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I watched Married with Children growing up. <laughs> and then my sisters watched Melrose Place and 90210. And we watched Friends and Seinfeld. Like that's where I learned about sex and got my expectations about sex. And as a result, I had a many long year addiction to pornography because all of that fed into that. And then people at school were talking about this and passing things around. And, and that's that's so when I came into our marriage, my understanding about sex was a lot more influenced by the world mm -hmm. than than from what God says about it. Yeah. And for me, honestly, the only sex talk I remember having before I was married was not from my parents. It was from my boss. <laughs> what? Yeah. 
<laughs> I remember her coming into, I was teaching piano at the time, and I remember her coming into the room where I teach piano, and she shut the door, uh, and she's like, you have about 10 minutes before your next student. We need to talk about a few things because you're getting married. And then I was mortified. <laughs> like, really? I didn't did ask that? you to do <laughs> That's this. That's awesome. <laughs> but looking back, I'm so thankful that she yeah, did. Yeah. She was even saying, like, some of the anatomy part of it, like, oh, after you are intimate, you need to go to the bathroom because of so on and so forth. If you have questions, you can message us about that. But just make sure that you um, clean yourself well because you may be susceptible to UTIs mm, and you could mm -hmm. have lots of infections and so on and so forth, which honestly... No one told me about. Yeah. And because she took the time to share some of her experiences, I am forever grateful for that. But looking back, that should have not been the only time where I had an opportunity to ask questions or even to learn about learn about sex. Yeah. In marriage. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm not saying, and I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, so I'm not saying that you should talk about all those anatomy things and details and all that from the pulpit, <laughs> right? That's not what we're saying here. Right. But what we are saying is, hey, yeah, as you get married, as you prepare for life together in that way, I mean, what does it look like for you to learn in the appropriate environment, mm -hmm. right? What do you, what does it look like to read books together to learn with one another? And in your premarital course that you're doing or in counseling before you get married, you know, what does it look like to, to learn in that way? Completely. Because if you never talk about it, you have all of these expectations. And in sometimes in the church, uh, if nobody talks about it, it can be seen as faux pas. But then as soon as the honeymoon starts, it's like, hey, you know, you've saved sex for your marriage. Here's a free pass. Everything is going to work. Everything's going to work well. And you'll just, you know, God will bless you with this incredible sex life because you waited. Yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not like that yeah. necessarily. Yeah. And, and let's say you didn't, you know, save yourself for marriage in that way, then then to think that, okay, but now that you're married, everything is going to be okay and, and there's not going to be any consequences to what you did before. I mean, to think that it would all wipe away in that way would be naive as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're here to say if things are painful, whether emotionally or physically, that this is an aspect of growth in your marriage and that is okay. Especially if there's physical pain during intercourse, then please seek help. It could be as simple as maybe you need more lubricant during mm. intercourse to something that would take a little bit more a little bit more time figuring out. A suggestion is to seek advice from your family doctor or to see a pelvic floor therapist. Now, intercourse is bringing up other uncomfortable feelings. Perhaps you've just figured out that this is really triggering for some reason. Then please seek help through a counselor or therapist. Yeah, you know, it's so easy to fall into the trap of blaming yourself or your spouse when things don't go the way that you expected in your sex life. Well, we're here to remind you that blaming doesn't help. Mm hmm May this be the sign that you're looking for to dig a little bit deeper into why you feel the way that you do. We'll attach some resources in our show notes about this important topic at inbetween.org slash episode 160. And before we go on to our last point, 
we wanted to take a moment to encourage both of you to pray about your sex life and invite God into it. Uh, Yeah, I know that maybe sounds a little bit weird, especially if sexuality feels like an area of your life uh, that is more split off from God rather than integrated into your walk with God. But he is the one who created sex for your enjoyment and he created your sexuality as well. Yeah. We love what Dr. Julie says about this. God is intimately involved in every area of your life, whether or not you are aware of him. This should not be an embarrassing or condemning realization. God is your strength, your wisdom, your counselor, your healer, and your redeemer. To be a Christian with sexual integrity means to give God the complete permission to redeem, heal, awaken, and transform the good gift of sex in your marriage. Yes, and that brings us to our last piece of advice, which is to be aware that we're in a battle. Mm -hmm. In the scriptures, we read that our battle is not against flesh and blood, that there's spiritual forces of evil in and around us, principalities and powers, that the enemy is not some person in red tights and and, and little you know, horns, yeah, and little horns, <laughs> yeah, and and this kind of cute little oh, I'll fight you or I'll do this. No, that there is a real enemy. There's a real enemy who wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage, and here's why: because when he destroys your marriage, he knows what that does to your family, mm-hmm. not only to your immediate family, but to generations after that. He knows how splitting up marriages can actually affect other marriages in yeah. and around you and friend groups and the beautiful, beautiful aspects of community that when we come together and, and are part of a redemptive, a restorative community of faith, hope, and love through a church, how that can be torn apart and people will need to take sides when marriages split. And the enemy knows that marriages are the place to attack because of how, quote unquote, strategic it is. So remember, we're in a battle. Yeah, I loved in premarital counseling, they gave us this picture of, yes, that we are in a spiritual battle. And sometimes when we're fighting with our spouse, it can feel like our spouse is the enemy. But instead of drawing our swords at one another with hurtful comments or hurtful actions, what would it look like if we laid down our wills? What Mm -hmm. if it looked like if we laid down our swords Mm -hmm. and picked up our shields that we would hide behind the word of God, that we would hide behind the shadow of his wings and to be protected from the fiery arrows of the enemy? Yeah. But you know what? Honestly, when you're in the middle of a conflict with your spouse, it can seem like they are the one you're fighting with. Right. And this is what we do. Uh, We'll often pray. We'll stop. We'll pray. Maybe if it's superheated, I'm bringing my mind, you're bringing your mind. And (laughs) and sometimes we'll pray together and we'll just pray. And this isn't a cop out. It's not a way to say, okay, well, I didn't do anything wrong. It's all the enemy. The enemy is the one that's making me do this. So Mm -hmm. I don't really need to apologize. No, that's not what's happening. But we're acknowledging the fact that, yes, you know, we are in a spiritual battle. The enemy does have his flaming arrows and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to divide and conquer. So taking time to confess and to repent of your wrongdoings Hmm. and your sins 
in this argument in ways that you have not only sinned against your spouse, but sinned against God. And then taking the offense, uh, the uh, an offensive posture to say, yeah, you know, and we pray against the flaming arrows, the right. evil one, and we pray against the ways that he has been trying to speak in and 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 infiltrate and divide and conquer, and and praying that protection upon your marriage, and and that the Lord would guide you and hide you guys in the shadow of His wings, and to take that proactive posture. So important to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can do that together, and other times you can't, right? Other times you will eventually get there, but you need to start with yourself and start there. But that, but that doesn't excuse uh, then going to your spouse and acknowledging how you've hurt them and working it through right. and repairing the relationship. You still have to do all of that work. Um, but what would it look like to do that hand in hand with prayer? Mm-hmm. There's been times where I've been drawn to pray for you, Daniel, <laughs> thinking uh, that I am 100% right. And so I would pray, oh, God, would you show Daniel how I he know. is wrong? <laughs> or, or God, Wait, would I'm you show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, would you show him how right I am and yeah. change his heart? And yes, I'm praying. The beautiful thing about that is God hears our prayers, but he also knows our hearts and he knows what we need and uh, thankful for the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Because as I'm praying this, I'm feeling a nudge of, hey, Christina, you have a part to play in this as well. (laughs) And you need to pray about how I can change your heart too. Yeah. Well, that brings us to a wrap for this episode, our advice to young couples. Hey, you know what? We would love to hear what you your advice would be to young couples mm-hmm. as well. We would love to learn from you in that way. Thank you, though. Thank you for listening into this episode, for sharing it with friends, family, with your spouse. But you know what? If you want to share some of your advice, message us on social media. We're at in between show on all the channels. And also, if you wanted to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to this and, and share your advice in that review, linking to this episode, that would be great as well. We would love to see that. Thanks again for listening in. Yes, before we say goodbye. Oh, I just wanted to remind y'all that we have this new installment actually on our show notes. Every week, we are going to put a couple of questions that you and your spouse can talk about your sure date night questions or you and your friends can talk about to take the show. I know a lot of times we're listening to information and we never truly apply it to our lives. So this is an opportunity for you to see those questions and to dive a little bit deeper into the episode. Awesome. So go to inbetween.org slash episode 160 to get those questions and all the show notes. Thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you next time.